Hold on and buckle up. You're about to ride into a place of theological sanity with Appalachian Anglican. Ecclesia Appalachia Missio Mundi. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Appalachian Anglican. I'm Adam, and I'm here with Alex, and I'm Daryl, and uh, we are here at the fair. Woohoo! We uh, we set up uh, something here at the fair every single year. We're gonna be talking about that. Yeah, uh, the Jefferson County Fair. That is, uh, uh, my brother told me he said for some people, this is their summer vacation. That's right. It's That's true. right. This is the ambiance of the beach because there's dirt here. <laughs> Uh, tractor pulls. When's your grease pig wrestling? Is that Friday? I think yeah. Saturday. I don't know. I already did some uh, chicken wrestling this morning. Yeah, it was, that was at your house. That wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't at the fair. <laughs> that was the fairground. <laughs> yeah, there's two chickens in my front yard staring at me. That's never good. Our buddy Josh is uh, recuperating from his gainful employment at his career job. Um, so it's us today, and it's glad you guys are out here with us. We are underneath our, our white tent that the church got last year. Um, hey, man, there's kinfolk to you up there walking around. I won't name them because I don't know if he wants to be known, but uh, he is an ordained minister in another denomination who's known for his fiery preaching and his revivalism. get the Holy Ghost, his revivalism. Yeah. I didn't even know who it was, but I know who you're talking about. You know about. who you're talking about now? That's right. <laughs> We well, see him every morning getting coffee at Panera. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, you can share this with him and say, "See, you just made it out across well, the mountains of Appalachia." Well, that is uh, Doctor Bishop to you. That's right. <laughs> I'm glad my letters of recommendation did some good for somebody. Not for me. <laughs> no, they did not. Uh, but as as our as y'all can tell, listening, we're uh, we're just having a good time out at the fair. Part of the reason to record out here is to talk about uh, the yellow collar. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's a joke that I started using a few years ago because the, the summer before the church officially started, there's a tractor behind me, the summer before we officially started, I set up a single canopy tent, like a little, you know, camping tent, not camping tent. What is that called? What is that thing right there? That kind of tent. What is that? It's canopy. Yeah, canopy it's tent. Just a canopy. Yeah. A, yeah. Set up a canopy tent. Uh, went out to a, a you know a discount store and got lots of kids books like Christian kids books and some Bibles and uh, it was essentially me, my two little kids, um, and two other guys who came out for a couple hours one night that week. But for the most part, um, I staffed it myself, right? And that's not like a a boast thing. That's like I want to tell the story of what, what, what's happened. Humble beginnings. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying, because it, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of work. Well, there was an eclipse that year. That was pretty neat. Um, that was the summer of 17. The summer of 18, we still had one tent, but that year we had a, a core team coming together more, more focusedly, and the church had already formally started. And I think uh, we went from basically, you know, the three of us that first year, one, really, uh, to right around seven to ten people the second year. Pretty significant jump for us. The following year, 2019, we were up to almost 20. Almost 20 people, like 16 or 17 people that year coming out to serve in the tent from the church. And it was in 2019 we got two tents. Um, and 
18 and 19, both years, we had such bad storms come through. I would come back after, you know, working at the fair all day and our whole tent is collapsed. You know, so you cover all the, the Bibles, all the books with, with totes and tarps. Uh, well, and, and I know what some listeners might be thinking, well, why didn't you just bring it in and out? Well, yeah. you're talking about hundreds of pounds of stuff that you have to walk. Right. A significant a distance. A yeah, it's, it's enough to make you not yeah. want to do it every day. Yeah, it's 96 degrees and 100% humidity. Uh, it is Appalachia. <laughs> it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not the dry heat of uh, southwest yeah. United States. August is a curveball. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, and, then, and then where the county fair grounds are is smack in the middle of the county. And the storms that roll through here don't. I live in the area, like I live right mm -hmm. by here, and it's it's its own little microclimate here. Yeah, it really. You is. literally could watch the 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 weather, and it's doing completely different. It's just it's a weird little microclimate here where the the fairgrounds are. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it twenty nine? I think it was twenty nineteen. Um, that one of the storms that came through while we were here at the fairgrounds, we saw it coming through, and all the alarms were going off. The storm came through that was so strong that we packed up everything. And I jumped in my car. I say jumped in my car. That was a, a half an hour, you know, but it felt really quick. Drove home because my basement was flooding. I mean, it was crazy. Just the, the, the scope of the weather changes, um, which my basement's fixed now, praise the Lord. But 2020 was the COVID year. And so we didn't have the, there was no fair. Okay. 21, we were back out mm -hmm. and we had uh, two tents again. And we had uh, almost 30, I think 27 or 28 people yeah. who worked the fair that year. Last year, we did have a solid 30 people who served in our big tent. What is this tent? This is, this is a 20 by 50 tent. This is 20 by 50? Yes, yeah. sir. And it's the biggest tent out here. Out, yes. of, all, oh, yeah. out of everyone's tent. Yeah. It's yeah, the big, biggest one. Big, big tent, big tent, big carnival The most tent. fragile. Yeah, that's actually, true. Not really. I've seen some other people collapse already. Yeah, we got metal bars. And yeah, we're not fragile. We're actually we're pretty steady. This thing's welded together. Yeah, it is welded. It's it not planned to be welded, but yeah, we. This is not our first rodeo with high winds. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, and so this year it is. We've had Saturday set up, Sunday set up, set up. A little bit of work here Sunday. Uh, all day Monday. When I say all day, it's roughly one thirty until nine, mm -hmm. give yeah. or take. So it's a solid workday shift, um, and we've got the we've got the the day split in half. So we have the people who come in and set up and work, and then we have the people who come in and work and then close down. I was tallying it last night. It's Wednesday morning, so the the fair hasn't technically started. Well, the this side of the fairgrounds isn't. The vendors aren't running, but the the farm contests are. Uh, we've had 30, 35 people. In three days, who've already come out to serve from the church. Different people, yep. Different people. And, and that's one of the things why, why I wanted us to record out here today, was to, to tell our folks, like, man, I, I want my church to grow. I want, I want to reach people. Well, you got to go where they are. And you got to do the stuff that maybe you don't feel comfortable with, maybe you're not familiar with. And sometimes it's simple things like this. You go out and you get a single tent with some free stuff, and you'd be like, well, nobody nobody wants to talk to me. Well, don't try to talk to everybody. Make mm -hmm. a couple conversations. And so since the first year we did this, we will leave the fairgrounds with between, um, well, going all the way back to the beginning, 35 to 75 solid contact cards 
And some of the some significant growth and development we've had in the church has come because of outreach here, yeah. meeting people that we wouldn't meet any other way. Right. Uh, the county fair, I don't know if it is like this for you guys, but if you're in Appalachia, it probably is. It's like we said, it is the highlight of the year. It's a particular you know, culture here, right? It is. Yeah. And almost so, I always say you come out here and you see everyone you want to see and everyone you don't want to see. <laughs> it's it's mm -hmm. like, yep. this is the... This is not official metrics, but I'm pretty sure this is the the single largest gathering of people from our county every yeah. year. Yeah. Like that, people come to, and you know, people come from. You know, we live in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia, so all three counties in the in the panhandle and other, you know, Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, people come by here because I mean, this is you know, I I made a joke about a whole vibe earlier, so this is I'm using that term here. This is a whole vibe here for for the people here. You know, we've got that. So a third, our tent's essentially broken into, into thirds. We've got the kids station with face painting this year and, and free kids material. Um, and we take church, like our church stickers and church info, and we put it in the kids' books and we give it to people because what we're doing is sharing the gospel. Right. We're not trying to share the church. We're trying to share the gospel. Right. Mm -hmm. But then the contact, the reference point back is, is to the congregation, right. to the church. And the middle section is uh, where our daughter's, it's a, an order. We have a, a, a suborder, a minor order of religious women who um, are daughters of the Holy Cross, but here they're, they're local chapters, daughters of the Ascension. They've set up a little a, a section here in the middle of the tent, and on the far end, we've got a prayer wall where people, you know, we take prayer requests, we pray with people on site, and tack their prayer needs onto the wall. Last year and the year before, we had people here from Massachusetts and somewhere else up in New England who were just in the area yeah. and decided to stop at a fair and they came by and they received prayer. And you talk about the counties coming in, right? You get people coming from all over the place. Right. Did you hear about Berkeley County last week? Mm, no, not, not particularly. I mean, they, my brother was there, but they said that Berkeley County, which is the County adjacent to us, their fairgrounds had the highest attendance they've ever had of wow. 35,000 people. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I know that this year they expected such a huge, volume that they changed the traffic patterns pulling out of here right. for the first time. And this is the 70th anniversary of the fair here in Jefferson County. Yeah. Trying to get out of here after the, uh, last night was a derby and it was a little wild. Cause you came in the wrong entrance, Adam. They made you send out the wrong way, didn't you? No, I, I, they, I was going the right way for me. They let you go. Oh, never mind. You moved. Yeah. You moved. I, never I, mind. Moved. I just, I actually, I, it was perfect timing. I, uh, I forgot. I moved, uh, within like, well, for me, five minutes to the fairground for the, <laughs> For the average Joe, about seven to eight minutes of the fairground, but... Yeah. My bad. You're right. I forgot you moved. I yeah, was I thinking did. that the whole time. Like, man, uh, I was like, man, you got to go back to the mountain. You can't go out that way. You're right. I totally yeah. forgot that you moved. <laughs> well, so I... Let me let me throw back the yellow collar thing for a second. I uh, so, so priests, deacons, bishops, we have clerical collars. And most guys that I know wear plastic ones. I feel like I'm divulging some secrets or something by saying that. They wear plastic collars because they're super easy to clean. You literally just, you can throw them in a dishwasher or you can wash them in the sink, you know, just with hot water if they get, they get, if they get dirty. Um, and so I've got plenty of plastic collars. But uh, uh, when I was made a, a priest, ordained a priest, I purchased a, a cloth collar and I've got, I've got a couple of them. I like them. I like the cloth collars a lot better than the plastic ones. So after one year at the fair, I noticed that one of my cloth collars, which feels much, much better on the skin in, uh, in 90 degree, 100 degree heat than the plastic, uh, even if it's a Clericool, C-O-O-L, Clericool collar, even if it's one of those, 
the the um the sweat ring. <laughs> the sweat <laughs> ring on that cloth collar. I thought, well, here's a symbol for ministry in Appalachia. It's not blue collar. It's not white collar. It's yellow collar. Uh, and I think wherever wherever you find the church advancing, you you find the people of God actively engaged yeah. in outreach. Right. Uh, missional is the buzzword. And I think, you know, if we understand what we're talking biblically about that, it's a great term. Uh, but it, it, everything, if everything is something, then it's nothing. And so when I hear about like missional crockpot church bakes or something or missional, <laughs> missional chili <laughs> recipes or missional, I don't know, man, it, it just, it gets kind of wonky. Uh, but if you want to reach people, you got to go out where they are. And yellow collars, how are you going to have to do that? Right. You know? Um, it's it's true. You know, and um, I, I think today it's nice outside. It's beautiful. It, it's nice, but uh, Monday, it was not nice. It was a sunny day, but it was like people, hey, I need to go find someplace cool because right. I'm about to pass out. Yeah. And I, I think that's the type of boots on the ground. I'm putting air quotes up right now. You can't see my fingers. Missional, yellow collar, whatever you want to call right. it. I don't wear a collar, but you know. Yeah, but you, you know. It's, you know, the concept is there and it's, it's uncomfortable. I, I think that that's There's a difficulty. There's a nun up there. Like a real religious nun. I've never seen a nun at the fairground. I have not either. I haven't either. Where's my cassock? We're going to have to catch up with her. I just got my clerical shirt on. I got to start bringing my cassock in here now. See, look. That's what religious does. That's what, that's what, when you, when you go about and the religious in the church conduct themselves, it raises an awareness to say, hey, there's somebody I can pray with. I bet you she's probably part of the Roman Catholic sisters over at St. James. Oh, I'm sure. Probably so. We uh, need some more religious sisters here. Pray for that, Alex. I will. Thank I have you. been. Um, I'm always reminded when we talk about missions and we talk about things like that, I'm always reminded of St. Patrick because yes. he, yep. he absolutely... Uh, missioned and ministered the way that the same type of people that are here, you know, we, we say we're, we're amongst, you know, we don't want to put down people, but it's like, we're, we're amongst, amongst the pagans here and we are set apart here and we are doing the things that God has called us to do here. And hey, you, you guys keep talking about this real quick. I want to go say hello to that sister. He literally just got he, up and left. He, he just left the table because he, he's going to. <laughs> See, that's why we try not to go on location. I made a joke before uh, here that uh, I'm reminded of Home Improvement, the show in the 90s, of when they would go on location on a construction site, and usually chaos ensued. <laughs> so maybe uh, maybe Father Daryl is Tim Taylor. He'll, he'll listen to this later, and he'll probably laugh, but I don't know. No, it, it's true. You, you, you brought up uh, you know St. Patrick, and that, that's kind of what comes to mind. And you look at his team, it wasn't it wasn't just people going to to preach right like there was an entire team what was it 70 70 something correct a lot yes it was it was like a good bit that that did a lot of the different things and there's there's an element of of serving in the church that is you do things you don't want to do <laughs> yes and you do things <laughs> in an uncomfortable setting yeah so it, it, there's 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 part of that and um I'll, I'll be the first to admit you know I'm on pastoral staff at church of the ascension and it is uncomfortable for me. I would not consider myself an introvert by any means, but it is just talking to tons of random people is uncomfortable. Because most of the time, you know, when people don't want to talk to you, 
Oh, yeah. yeah and that's the thing. Like, There's a lot of people who don't want to talk to me. Right. But you're it, intimidating. That's why I don't. It might be the beard. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful red beard. Yes. Uh, me trying to convince all the kids, boy, little boys, little girls, <laughs> to get uh, mustaches and five o'clock shadows drawn on their faces. Right. But they're they're pretty. Reluctant. Your son did have a nice mustache drawn, drawn uh, painted on him last night. Yes, until he smeared it. Well, yeah, you know. But uh, it's true. Like we're, going back to to St. Patrick, uh, the people that were part of his his team and his missions were people that they that came along with him in the cities that they were in. And if that is not what this church is to have, what Church of the Ascension has done here, like we have grown our core team members from the fair. Like we've had a, a few families come in and that are part, actively part. And that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty active in missions and I've studied missions and I've, you know, I've been a lot of places in the world. And that is the most successful way of mission is making the local people, the pastors there. Yeah. Making the local pastors because they know the culture, they know the people, they know everything that they need to do to do that. And that's, that's what we're trying to do here is, you know, we're all from here. You know, the, a lot of us are mm -hmm. me, you, father Daryl, we're, we are from Appalachia. We grew up here. You know, you grew up on the mountain here and I still mm -hmm. thought you lived there, you know, until this moment, <laughs> but I mean, that's where your family's from. So we know, like, we know these people, these are, these are our people. And I think that's why it's such a big, um, a big mission on our heart for us every year. Like yeah. this is our biggest uh, evangelistic event that we do. And, um, that's why we, we know this is where the people are. We do obviously do other evangelism uh, during the year, but this is our biggest thing that we push the most every year. And we spend most yeah. of our, our uh, not most, but we spend a lot of our, uh, our outreach budget on this. Exactly. And a lot of that free, one of the, one of the things I think that is even still unique, there's one other, there's a, a Baptist church right next to us and they're awesome people. Uh, love them dearly. Um, but a lot of the, what I've noticed is a lot of other churches have turned this into a revenue producing event. Right. And there, there's an, there's an aspect of that sometimes that you need to do. I realize you need it. You, it helps. But when we're handing stuff out for free and just giving things to people, they don't know what to do. Like right. they kind of look at you like you got two heads. Like, what do you mean? There's, this is free. No, no catch. No catch. No strings attached. Free face painting. Like they, they don't know what to do with it. All right, yeah. Um, thanks for letting me run off there. So that, that is a, uh, she was a Roman Catholic nun, sister here in town at St. James, but she works for the Priory guys. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Does a lot of fabrics in London. So she told me if we ever needed any, she'd make some for the church. We do. Um, but the, <laughs> the lady that she's with um, is a evangelical who was converted at a Campus Crusade for Christ event some decades ago. And she's up there talking about a personal relationship with the Lord. So this is one of the things that's fantastic about the fair. The Roman Catholic nun and the evangelical lady are both walking through the fair to share Jesus with other people. Right. Because then they started talking to me. I said, I'm an Anglican priest. And the evangelical lady was like, do you know the Lord? You know, you got to make sure it's personal. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I know the Lord. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm with the Via Media here. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. Uh, so it was great. It was great. You just, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Awesome. So what were you guys talking about? Because I obviously we, checked out for like 10 minutes. No, we were, we were talking about um, just the hard work of being out. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, we kept that conversation. We, we kept that conversation going. And then the idea of giving free stuff instead of turning your, your community into a, um, a revenue producing. You stop looking at them as right. revenue and start looking at them as people that need well, the that's gospel. That's what the Southern Baptists do over at their tent. They give away free French fries. Yeah. Like free well, French fries. I, I mentioned fries. them. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, you can't beat that. Um. Well, this, this, all of this takes us into like the, uh, another theological point that I, I think is good for this kind of discussion. 
and it's um, faith, a discussion about faith. And for, for the sake of explanation, um, there is what I'm going to call like the intent of faith, which I think is where a lot of people, if we can get them to faith, like believing in Christ, because everybody has faith, but if we can get them to, you know, a profession of faith in the Lord, that's kind of where they stay, right? Yeah. And they want to be, and they've been told that they're saved by the intent of their faith. Like, what, what, are, they in, what are they believing for? Right. Or what are they believing to? And, and so, in brief, we typically just talk about intention. Well, I intend this to be the case. And because my intention is good, therefore I'm good. Um, and that produces things culturally like virtue signaling. Virtue signaling, right? Right. So because I stand with a, an oppressed body or because I support someone who's been, you know, treated unjustly in the culture. Is that a semi? Yeah, we yeah got that, a, that is literally a semi truck. Wonder where he's going. Bear with us, folks. Bear with us. I don't think he's using a uh, truck GPS. Nah, because this technically isn't like a road road we're on. This is not a road. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dig it. I mean, there's uh, room for him to come through. I yeah. Mean, yeah. But the, the intent of faith, and, talk, and usually when we talk about that on the podcast, I talk just about intention. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, I intended to be this way. And if that's, the, if that's your entrance into the kingdom as your starting point, okay. We all start somewhere. Okay. But if that's where you stay, then you're, you are at, at best living in an immature, stymied faith. Mm -hmm. You are at worst then going into a kind of cowardice. Yeah. Uh, because you're, you are, you're not just staying in, in immaturity, you're choosing something that, that never actualizes the faith. And this is one of the, the historical distinctions with the, what's called antinomianism, those who don't have any sense of law. Right. or obligation, or works. And what's what James is hitting at in his letter. Yep. The faith without works is dead. Uh, so you have the intent of faith, and then you have the act, the act of faith, right? And so both Paul and James will go back to Abraham. And Paul says Abraham was justified by faith. Before he, he believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. James goes back to the same story and says, uh, the, the credit of righteousness wasn't until the faith worked. Right. And so what we, what we want to make sure that we emphasize in our gospel presentation is it's not just enough to say, I believe. Even the devils do that, James says. But what are you doing about the belief? And so let me, let me parallel this into a, into a non-spiritual, although it's almost impossible, but into a non-spiritual venue for a moment. Uh, I remember, because I was in school, I remember when the Challenger exploded, the right. rocket ship. You guys have heard about the Challenger. Yeah, we yes. heard about it. Yeah. We weren't alive, but we, we heard about it. <laughs> right. Do you know why it blew up? An O-ring, right? O-rings. What's an O-ring? A r rubber ring that seals two things together. Very small. Yeah, you can use them for anything. Well, yeah. on a rocket, the O-rings aren't small. They're... Right. Right? But the O-ring had, had deteriorated, and that's how it blew up. Did the, did the manufacturers and the engineers and the architects and the scientists, everybody who was involved, and constructing that rocket, the Challenger, intend for it to blow up? No. I'm hoping not. Right. I mean, did they intend for the O-rings to fail? No, of course not. Right? And so here's the danger. We want to be justified by our intention. 
we don't want to be justified by the statement of faith that we profess. Or we want to be justified by that, not by the work that we have. Right. And this is part of the challenge is that people say, well, I, I believe something that's good. I have a good intention. Therefore, I'm right. Yeah. And that's not, that's not true because Jesus doesn't teach us that. He says, you know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Right. So it's either bearing good fruit or bad fruit. And apples don't grow on orange trees. So when you're talking about the intent of faith and the act of faith, that's a distinction we got to keep in mind. What's going on, man? What's up, Ryan? I know that's I've been good. seeing you walk back and forth. Where are you at for steps? Really? Good grief. That's like almost 10 miles. For today. You didn't like hook that to a wheel on something, did you? One of the pigs, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording. We got a podcast. Yeah, we got a podcast. Yeah. Look us up, Appalachian Anglican. You might be featured on there now. Yeah. Next week's episode or this week's? Yeah, Friday. Faith. We're talking about faith at the fair. That's why we're here. So this is technically now in front of a live studio audience. Yeah, of something one, like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the um, the intent of faith that we, we we want to be evaluated by our intention, not by our conduct. And we are not what we say; we are what we do. And the gospel, the grace that comes from Christ, from God, through Christ, is not so I can make another profession that doesn't transform my life. It's quite the opposite quite the opposite so we're called to to be people who actualize what's been promised and not the other way around i think that's what we have to focus on what is the what is the act of faith because people pastors uh, churches i want my church to grow but they don't pray like i mean when i when i say pray i don't mean like they i'm not talking about the prayers of the people on the service in the service i mean they they've not set aside specific times to pray they don't, they don't fast. They don't seek the Lord as to what he wants to do in their parishes, in their congregations. Or the person who wants to grow spiritually, but they won't discipline themselves to right. study the scripture. Um, and I want to see people come to Jesus, but they don't go tell anybody about it. Yeah. They don't go outside to meet people who don't know him. So there's the act of faith, and the act of faith completes the intent of faith. Right. Uh, so I feel like that's, that's something for me that I struggled with growing up, even the last, you know, as a teenager, especially knowing all these things, then maybe, you know, maybe call myself self-proclaimed uh, laziness where I'm like, well, if the Lord wants to do that, he'll do that. That was, a, that was my attitude a lot. Well, if the Lord wants to grow me, he'll grow me. If the Lord wants me to do this, he'll, he'll make it happen. If the Lord, blah, 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 you know, in, yeah. insert X, Y, and Z. And then when I really got, I mean, when I got serious about my walk with the Lord, I'm like, okay. Well, I have to do this. Like you're saying, I have to be disciplined. There's things that I have to do. I have to go to the door and knock. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the act of faith on my part that's, that it's not just faith and it's not just works. And, we, and that we understand that as Christians because we, we always hear those arguments. You know, you guys know that one of my favorite words is via media. We always hear the arguments of, well, we, you need to do this. You need to ha just have faith. Well, no. And then people say, well, they just say you just have to have works. Well, no, of course not. There's a, there's a happy medium there where we have to do it all. We have to find that balance and, and have faith and works. Well, this is the organic picture. If faith is a seed and the word is a seed, right. 
what does the seed do when it's mature? It's it's turned into the plant right. and it's producing the fruit that it's supposed to. Right. Yeah. And faith that doesn't bear fruit isn't faith. Or put it this way, if it's bearing bad fruit, then you got a whole nother biblical imagery for that, right? Pruning all the way to the potentiality of burning away like chef. I'm about yeah. To say. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean there's so much there. And it and it's we have to stop thinking, like you said there, well, I believe it. And right. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I, w- I want to be uh I need the Lord to help me with, with my, my health. Yeah. Well, take the, take the step of faith and change your diet and start exercising. Exactly. I, I, I need the Lord to help me with, with finances. Well, start tithing and giving to missions. Yeah. Start giving your money away because that's going to do a couple things. One, you're going to have to reassess your investments. Right. You're going to have to reassess, reassess your entertainment spending. You're going to have to reassess the, the, the bills that you have and create what's necessary, what's unnecessary. Like it, so taking the steps of faith making act action action of the faith moving doing something calibrates the way you conduct the rest of your life right. if you as mm-hmm. a, in your congregation you start to prioritize prayer you start to prioritize getting before the lord then you can't you can't have the same kinds of meetings all the time now you got to get rid of some other meetings and cuz some of them have to become prayer meetings right if you want to emphasize and really start to work in biblical study, you've got to focus on biblical study. You've got to do that. And then that calls for a calibration, which is where the immaturity, where so many Christians are, are living in right now, is the intent of faith. And they say, I want to be justified by my intentions. That doesn't work. Right. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. in the scripture that says that. Even the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus contrasts the foolish man who hears his words and builds on the sand. Right. As opposed to the one who hears the words and builds on a rock. And there's, there's a, those pictures go beyond um, uh, just hearing because he talks about building. You ever build a sandcastle? How easy is it to move the sand? Very easy. Mm-hmm. How easy is it to move a rock? Not to, nearly as easy. Right, or to, to hammer into the rock itself to build a foundation in it. Right. Well, when I, I look at a lot of, like, even the idea of, like, um, religious communities or just being, having a church with a community— and the things that you catch from mature believers. And sometimes, hear me out, sometimes those actions are ahead of their faith. Like, they have the intent to serve the Lord, but it's, in some ways, it, it is ahead. But having those um, communities in which you're seeing what it looks like to live a holy, righteous life. Yeah. Th- those are good, but part of the, uh, whether it was intentional or unintentional, of the, um, the Protestant Reformation, yeah. is you see those things thrown away. And then now to what we are today of, well, I do whatever I want to the other six days of the week. Right. And maybe I'll go to church on Sunday. Right. It's, it, it, there, there were things that were worked in because they're like, well, you're not justified by your work. Yeah, but they sure do help. Right. Like, right. you, because you, in a way you are, and I, I think some of it is almost like a fear of wasting, like nobody wants to, to waste. Yeah. And I, I, we can't have that attitude when it comes to our, our, our relationship with Jesus or with our faith. And that you can't, you, it, this idea of being afraid to waste, nothing's wasted. Well, yeah, there's the being saved by faith has been turned into being saved by a confession. Yeah. Yep. Raise your saved, hand. Yeah. Being saved by a, a, a phrase that comes out of your mouth verbally. There's your works. And that's not right. When you go back to the reformation, what are they hitting at when they talk about, uh, being saved by faith and not by works? They're not talking about obedience to the gospel. They're talking about an indulgence system. Mm-hmm. They're talking about, you know, 
giving money to get to get out of uh, you know p- particular kinds of temporal sins. They're they're talking about pilgrimages to be forgiven. They're talking about um, talk to this particular saint to get your your forgiveness. I mean, that's the kind of uh, faulty works that they're addressing. When James and Paul are going back and forth, I don't, and I don't even think they're going back and forth with each other. Uh, people try to pit them together, but I don't no. think that's the case. I think they're talking to two different groups of people. Yep. Paul is talking to to people saying, you must come to Christ and confess him and believe him, and the effect that you've done it will be the fruitfulness of, of the fruit of the Spirit. Right. James is talking to Jews who are saying, oh, well, I don't need to be obedient anymore. No, no, you, you still need the royal law. Right. You still need to do the good that you know to do. Um, when we can get our own hearts past the idea that we're saved by a confession and saved by faith, and we know that the faith that we're saved by is the faith of Christ at work in us, because even Luther, who preached being saved by faith, said you're not regenerate and part of Christ until you're baptized, because right. baptism isn't works. Right. So if you, if you know that the sacraments aren't works, and yeah. none of the Reformers thought that they were, well, the early Reformers, see, the, the, the game changes. And instead of dealing with the the con- saved by confession alone error that we have today. Uh, you know, so I, we end up with these polarities. So we have to use phrases like via media when really, you know. Just Christianity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think you're bringing up a really interesting point with the sacraments. So many times it's, these things are viewed as works. They're not. It right. is, um, trying to think of an example. I remember when, when you came and you were talking to our youth, and we, you were, especially for the morning worship, and you talked about... Oh, talked last about, month of the youth camp? Yeah, the youth yeah. camp. Uh, you, you talked about posturing for certain parts of the of, of the service, like for blessings, like receiving the blessing. Oh, yeah, put, put your, your hands out. Put your hands yeah. out to receive the blessing. It's, okay, yes, am I doing something? Am I, am I posturing myself? Yes, but it is not my works. Right. You know, it is not, right. like, this is just a, is a, a physical reaction to a, a spiritual thing that has happened by me opening to my heart yeah to to this blessing or opening to this blessing and the sacraments are just like that you're not it's not you you know i one of the ways that i found to parallel the faith and the kingdom and the church to christian people is what we do with our national identity so are you engaged in a work when you stand for the pledge of allegiance and you cover your heart with your hand that's not works, no. right? Is it idolatry to, to stare at the flag with your hand covered and recite the Pledge of Allegiance? No. Is it, is it idolatry to uh, guard the American flag so it doesn't touch the ground? No. Think about all the ceremony that's involved in our, in our American patriotism and how none of that is, or, or the day on the calendar, the 4th of July. I mean, there, there are, there's, there's days, there are songs, you know, the uh, uh, Star Spangled Banner, there are the symbols, the flags, and there are customs and ceremonies, rites and rituals, if you will, that approximate all of that. And what, if you were, if you are not an immigrant, what makes you an American? Birth. Birth. That's it. You don't do anything else. You're born a mm-hmm. citizen. Right. Now, if you're coming in from the outside, is there work? Well, that I know that's a hot button issue right now, you know, because you can come in legally or illegally. But is there work? Well, there's work in as much 
that you are you are recognizing that you understand what it means to be a citizen. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, there's it's not like you can make yourself become a different entity to become a citizen. So in the kingdom of God, how do you become part of it? Birth yep. and baptism. What did you do? Ooh, Nothing. Yeah. You received it. <laughs> right. And there the, and the Eucharist is no mere symbol. It's no simple symbol. It is the it is the reality itself of Christ's mm-hmm. body and blood. So all of the all of that stuff is already present in our culture. Somehow or another, we've again divorced the two in a way that we all not to. And when we can start to see those those differences and those disparities, we can then hopefully begin to really wrestle in our own hearts with the intent of faith, not really moving us to the action of faith. And that's where the warning becomes that much more severe from the Lord about many coming to me in that day and saying, we did all these works. And Jesus's point who, is no. Who are you again? Yeah, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> but the, and the power to do those works was him, yeah. not even them. Right. So, you know, we got another truck coming, coming back through. All oh, the trucks. It's the same truck. It's probably turning around. Made a wrong turn. Air brakes. I know. No, that's a different truck. The it last is. one was blue. Yeah, it was. Um, it's funny we talk about symbols and, and confession and all that. I had I just uh, towed a trailer from Georgia, well, Florida, Georgia, back here to West Virginia, and there was a lot of signs that I passed that said, just repeat after me, and it was, you know, a Lord's Prayer or a, Lord, I accept you into my heart. And, you know, I jokingly, I, my nephew was with me, and I jokingly said, there's a lot of accidental Christians out there because they read this, <laughs> because they read it, and now they are in, and they don't even know it, you know, <laughs> driving through South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, all those states, and I'm like... I mean, it's good to have those, you know, I'm not against these kind of signs, but there's a whole lot more to it, of course. Well, yeah, we're, 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 we're doing a disservice by trying to make converts instead of disciples. Exactly. Yeah. And Jesus called for disciples. He didn't call for converts. Right. Matter of fact, the, that whole convert slash fan thing, he, he's pretty hard against that in the Gospels. Right? Yeah. Remember when he feeds the 5,000 in the Gospel of John? And he's like, you guys are following me because you want more miracles. Right. You want more food. Yep. It's not happening. Or um, when the Pharisees want a sign, he's like, you're not going to get a sign except for the sign of Jonah. I mean, he, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't deal with that. And I, and I think when you see Christians, especially Christians who church jump and they conference jump, what are they doing? They're looking for the buzz. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're looking for that phenomena, and they don't even recognize it in themselves because they believe that that's the Holy Spirit. And where those, those events are not, the Holy Spirit's not. And they don't even understand the spirit of the Lord himself. You know, what about when he leads you into the desert? Yeah. Yeah. Cause then what are you going to do? What are you gonna do with your faith then? Right. You know? Right. And that's, you know, I'm all about, that's, that's one of the biggest things that I teach on all the time is about how to endure through that suffering yeah. because it, and it's built from that discipleship built through that faith and it's built on a lifetime. Right. You know, it's built not, it doesn't happen once you raise your hand and say, I, I received that, you know, it, that's the beginning. That's your entrance. When you're baptized, that's the beginning. And then, the, the marathon happens, as, as Paul writes about the marathon, the, the, the long race. That's when the fathers would have called you a catechumen. Right. You've made a profession of faith. Okay, now you can come attend, yeah. and you can listen to the preaching of the word and get ready to be baptized. Yep. You have not been born into the kingdom yet. And that is very, very, very difficult for evangelical, uh, modern evangelicals. Right. Not the early evangelicals, but modern evangelicals. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's true. I think it, it, it doesn't stop there. I think you see it um, with its fingerprints all throughout the church. Uh, I remember a, a line that uh, Father Ricky, we had uh, lunch with him last Wednesday. Is that yeah, what it was? Last, last Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. And he was talking about one of the issues that we have in our churches is that we, we have too many volunteers and not enough servants. Mm. Yeah, we talk about that. So yeah. a lot of this comes down to connecting the, the, the faith in the heart and the dedication. Well, what's of, the of difference, the though, between a volunteer and a servant? Buy in. Like, uh, I think that's what I would say. I would say buy in um, the source and then what can be, like, the source of motivation and then what can be asked of them. Right. A volunteer serves on their terms. Yeah. yeah. A servant serves on the terms mm-hmm. of the one leading. And that's hard for it's people different. to do. I'll say this about the volunteer and servant thing. There are times in, the, in church ministry when volunteer is exactly what you're looking for because you recognize that there are certain things that people can't fluctuate and move around. Uh, and there are times when the church needs servants. Yeah. And, and you've got to have the, the, juris, the, the wisdom to know the difference when the two are called for. Neither one of those qualify as holy orders because holy orders means you do what you're told to do whether you want to do it or not. You're still a servant, but you are you have a measure of responsibility, and having the church and the and the members of the church grow in such a way that we come in essentially from that quizzical, inquire inquirer aspirant position into growing into good volunteers and then into servants. That's when we can really start to think of what it is to be a leader, because until you know what it takes to get there early. Or, no, I'm sorry. Before you know what it takes to plan something, what it takes to get there early to set it up and then to run it and then to close it down and then to go back the next day and do it over again and to preserve all of the stuff that you're using to do it, you, you haven't begun to understand what it means to be a leader. Right. You're, you're still, mm-hmm. at best, some kind of volunteer. And that's okay, but you can't build with just volunteers. We have to, we have to be incarnational, if I can use another buzzword, we have, we have to be incarnational servants. We have to embody what it is to serve by leading with example. Well, I think it's beyond leadership because that, there's an element of it that goes beyond leading. You, don't, you can't have too many chiefs. The idea of, of serving, it, it's not just so you can be a leader. A, right. a servant is a, being a servant is an attitude of the heart that the Lord calls us to. Right. We're, it's... it's we can't treat our faith the same as a volunteer. And I, I think a lot of times when we look at that, why those two are equated, that's, that's what we're running into is you're, you're seeing that their, their, their involvement in their church is very similar to the way they came to the Lord or their understanding of how they came to the Lord. Yeah. It's like a lion's club, There's yeah. some, some sort of fraternity or club that you're a part of. And so you show up when you have time and the church is a volunteer association and the, the scathing fire on the day of judgment over that. I, I don't believe the Lord is patient with that at all. I really don't, mm-hmm. because the gospel is clear. He is clear on the gospel. I'll put it that way. Um, it's the same thing. Yeah. But he's clear. And when preachers are sounding an unclear trumpet, um, they've got a whole lot of answering to him over that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's a, I mean, a big thing is you're saying, you know, that whole abuse of authority or abuse of power accusations going around and some of them yes they are i think yeah some of them are true you're right that was right an abuse power authority whatever term you want to use for the different organization that's involved 
some of them was just them saying, the Lord requires more of you. Yeah. That's not abuse. I think that's what most of it is. I mean, the, the shepherding movement was really popular back in the 70s. And the shepherding movement was where, um, if, you know, let's say you wanted to buy a car, you would go to your pastor and you would get his permission. So who you married, the house you bought, the car you bought, the job you had, you would go get his permission. And I can say as a pastor, I have had to have uh, discussions, weighty discussions that would really affect people's lives and, and give them godly counsel and sometimes exhortation because they're going to make a decision that will lead to shipwreck and they can't see it. We have to be able to do that. And so when you live in a culture that's all about the sovereign self, any kind of conversation like that is perceived as a shepherding movement, and it's not. Um, and I, I think this is where clergy kind of have to stand up together. Mm-hmm. Say, you know what? This is what the gospel is. This is what the requirements are. We hold ourselves to it because the Lord wants us to, and we hold the church to it. And at the same time, repel abusive temperament that wants to be in charge. One of the guys who was very involved with the shepherding movement, very involved in it, and then, you know, a couple decades later came out and said he was wrong, was Derek Prince. Yeah. Very highly involved in a lot of that. Um, And this is one of the, again, another mistake I think the church is making all the time where we turn, um, again, I've already mentioned it, but we turn our intent into justification. Yeah. You know, well, I don't mean it to be that way, but that's, that's what's happening. Well, it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll say that I think that we do a really good job without a dissension. You know, there's the Lord. I'm saying this from my point of view. I feel like the Lord has, has called and brought a lot of men to you, Father Daryl, over the years. I've seen it. You know, I've, been, I've, been, I've known you my whole life, basically. And the Lord has called a lot of men to you that are, feel called into holy orders. And once you start that, uh, that calling of account of their lives— it, it really, it, it shakes people up to the point, a lot of people, not a lot, it has shaken people to the point where like, well, I don't even know if I want to do this at all. And I think that's, that is the first step, learning to say, okay, am I going to be a servant? Am I going to be a volunteer? What is the Lord requiring of me? If, if the Lord has called you to, into the priesthood or any kind of, uh, you know, in time, in, into any kind of holy orders, you have to be able to give all of your life. And that is something that people are not used to. And that's something that I think that I think that we do very well at Ascension. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, we see that. And it's and I was talking to a couple people last night. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago, Adam and I. Um, and this, I don't know if this is even the right thing to put in a podcast, but I think it's something for us to to reflect on. When I, when I assess the last 20 years of my pastoral ministry, uh, very rarely have I gone into what uh, biblically would be considered rebuke in personal conversation, like even in pastoral. It's been, very rarely has it gone into rebuke. And, th- this, and I say that um, not in a happy way, because one of the responsibilities that you have in pastoral ministry is rebuke. Yeah. Teach, correct, rebuke, and train in righteousness. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, and it doesn't mean I've ignored things. I don't mean it like that either. I've tried to adopt the approach of let me give you an exhortation. Let me give you encouragement. Let me try to give you a different perspective. Because if I tell you what to do, Josh isn't here, but it's like Lord of the Rings when, when Gandalf is telling Bilbo, you got to give over the wing, ring, my dude. 
Yeah. If I take it from you, it's going to break you. Right. Right. So pastorally, there's, I think there's a, there's an approach to try to get people to perceive for their own benefit what the scripture is saying, not your personal ob- uh, objective or your personal, personal uh, opinion. Um, but the, the, um, the, uh, no, hold on. Not giving the rebuke is, is a requirement for clergy. And we, one of the reasons I think that, you know, aside from trying to get people to, to come through and, and grow by perceiving themselves, you know, learning to understand what the Lord has for them in that regard, you know, I, I think what happens because of the way we are culturally, even when you give a suggestion, you try to provide focus, you try mm-hmm. to, to put in a hedge, right? Uh, put on the kid rails at the bowling alley, so to speak. Yeah. You try to put in some parameters to say, here, focus this way. Because you are called, right? You are gifted. You do, you do have these capacities, but you got to stay with this focus. That comes off as reproachment or denigration or, or rebuke because we do not understand right. what it is to be in authority, let alone to be accountable to the Lord with that. And I think for, for, the, for the men that the Lord sends for holy orders here and the women he calls here to be set aside for service, um, you see, you see what's going on in the culture. Yeah. And I think that speaks to the kind of grace that we need from the Lord to do, to do well, you know. It's, it, it turns it into a long process. It really has turned people into a long process. I'll give an example. Uh, at work, uh, I'm a, I work as a firefighter paramedic as well. And we have a quality assurance, QA, and they love to send out emails. Yes. So, uh, you know, they, they ask a lot of questions about any kind of, you know, call that we run, any kind of whatever. And people are like, oh, I got QA today. And I have to, I tell people all the time, this, you're not in trouble. They are just clarifying something or they're just giving you, they call it uh, pearls of wisdom or whatever. <laughs> like, that's what they call it. Like, they, like, and, or like one of the officers will come and talk to you. But, and uh, people are like, oh, I got, I got yelled at today. I'm like, you did not get yelled at. I said, I, I tell people, I get emailed every day almost for, for something. And they just want to know, you're not in trouble. You're not losing money. You're not getting fired or nothing like that. And, I, you know, I use that as a crude example, but it's true. Like, just because you were, you know, Father Darrell, you, you have, t- we, we've had a lot of conversations over the last four years of me being at Ascension. And most of the time, I'll say 99% of the time, it has not hurt my feelings at all. Because I know mm-hmm. that little one percent, you know, we'll talk about that later. But you know, I'm just kidding. But the, the, most of the time, it's I know that you're doing it because, first of all, that's your job. If 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 I say that I feel called, yeah. that's your job to that's your job first to figure that out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for you to yeah. gatekeep that almost. So that that's those are the things that have to happen. And it like you're saying, it's 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 not negative and it's not mean and it's not it's not even coming from a bad place. It's from you doing your job as a leader. And you know that is the way that we are shepherded because you know, there are people that need a lot of work and I'm one of those people. I need a lot of grace from the Lord. You know, somebody told me last night, well, if I'm wrong, I hope you just rebuke me. I said, no, everybody <laughs> says that until they are. Right, exactly. right, we all feel that way about ourselves. You know, right. uh, man's way is right in his own eyes. Right. Um, but you remember, and, and our, our dearly beloved friend who was in the, who called me at your insistence that he not. Oh yeah. Run off to another. Yeah institution of education that was would not have facilitated what he wanted to do 
and he had all the people around him at that moment saying, you just need to do this. Right. Right. We need to have people to help us with that. We need, we need, right. we need good pastoral care. <laughs> and when we come out to the fairgrounds, like, what is this about the fairgrounds? You come out to the fair and you're looking at tens of thousands, thousands of people over the course of a week. And you see what's going on in the gospels. We need the Lord. Yeah. yeah. The country needs the Lord. Yeah. I don't mean like the United States country. That's true. But I mean like country people need the Lord. Yeah. So much church growth, so much uh, ministry book, many, many ministry books are written about reaching cities. Right. Okay. Yeah. Go reach the cities, but don't ignore the countryside. Mm. I mean, if that isn't how we got part of the divide in the country right now anyway, with the flyover states. Right. But who's doing most of the working and the farming and the, and the army resourcement? You know what I'm saying? Um, we, we need the Lord and we need to be out and about his business right. to, to help people come to him. And mm-hmm. then for those of us who are in some sort of vocational service, how do we help them see Jesus and not ourselves? And that's, that's what we need to be doing. Well, I hope you uh, got to see a little bit of the, the chaos here at the, the fairs we're wrapping up today. Um, it's uh, between the tractors driving by, the tractor trailers moving by, ironically <laughs> enough, on a little 10-foot trail. They didn't have much wiggle room there. No, um, not at all. And, and hopefully, you're, you're thinking a little bit as well. Like, wh- what does your faith look like? Or what, what is your, I don't want to even say faith-to-works ratio. You know, I don't, what does it look like? What is, what is your perspective How on How yellow that? is your collar? How yellow Ooh. is your collar? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, once again, we... Send if you have any comments or anything, feel free to send that over to us. We're we're willing to to hear that out. So once again, um, you hear it every single episode. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us at uh, Daryl at ascensionwv.org, and uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can message us on there. We have a lot of carrier pigeon. You can carry however pigeons. you need to. Um, we we're not quite ready. We're not there yet. Um, oh, I am. I'm ready. Okay. Well, you can send those to Alex, yeah. the carrier pigeons. Uh, so, like I said, we'll take your uh, questions, comments, or controversies. We'll take it all. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the people, you know it's going to happen regardless of <laughs> I say it, so I might as well invite There's plenty it. of Karens out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, I'm Adam. I'm Alex. And I'm Daryl. Thanks for listening in.